Welcome to More to Come, PW Comics World's bi-weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded at the PW offices in New York City, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News, ed- New- Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm also co-editor of PW Comics World as well as the Comics Reviews Editor for Publishers Weekly and the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm their podcast producer. This week on More to Come, um, 2013 Eisner nominations just released. Uh, Marvel's epic collections and a look at Marvel sales patterns. uh, The Kindle comic creator and the saga mess. So, let's get right to it. The uh, Will Eisner Comic Industry Award nominations. And no surprise, uh, Chris Ware. (laughs) Yes, uh, well. But leading the pack by, by some... Accounts uh, with five nominations, but yes. actually, if you add it up, uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips Fatale yes. from Image actually had six nominations if oh. you count their colorists. So they actually oh, led okay. the way. Oh. And uh, but Chris Ware, uh, big uh, big winner. You know, Hawkeye also Hawkeye got a also bunch five of nominations. Five nominations yeah. uh, mm-hmm. But really, uh, Saga, Saga did really well. Saga got uh, and four so five. did and obviously so did Fatale mm-hmm. and, and Adventure um, Time actually did very well. Yes, Adventure Time got four and yeah. um, just for the book oriented. Uh, Folk out there, uh, the nominees uh, for Best Graphic Album knew, uh, besides uh, Chris Ware's uh, Builder's Story, um, that would be uh, Goliath by Tom Gold from B&Q, The Hive by Charles Burns, also from Pantheon, Unterzakken by Leela Corman by, from Shocking Books, and you'll never know book three, A Soldier's Heart by uh, Carol Tyler from Fantagraphics. Yeah, and, and, uh, and uh, speaking of Fantagraphics, over at the beat, someone did a very interesting <clears throat> a data analysis of which publishers got the most nominations. And it's actually very interesting because the top nomination publisher is Fantagraphics with 24 nominations. Now, for contrast, Marvel got seven, mm-hmm. and wait for it, DC got two, arguably two and a half. Yeah. That is two less than Boom or Monkey Brain. Well, why should that be a surprise at a year when DC absolutely gutted their Vertigo line and went over yeah. to publishing things that were all based on, um, you know, New 52 uh, film, and changing characters, shown properties, video games, and yeah. changing characters every week. And, you know, I've heard a lot of, uh, I mean, the char- if you look at the other, I think you jumped down there. If you look, uh, Image got 17 nominations, IDW got yeah, eight amazing. nominations, Pantheon got eight nominations, yeah. No Brow got eight, four nominations. Dark Horse got six, D&Q got five. Yeah, I mean, these are all publishers. Guess what? These are the publishers mm-hmm. people were talking about in a positive way this year. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I think it's very interesting if you look compared to other years that um, with the abolition of what... It, its vertigo line used to be. Um, DC has just fallen off the map. And it, well, you know, with the Eisners, uh, they have a different judging panel every year, and it really depends on the judging panel. But yeah, but I think I think your point still matters that mm-hmm. it's been kind of a bad year for you know high art at DC. Well, but I mean, I think the bigger point in all this is that um, yeah, it's kind of and a really good year for everybody else. Yeah, but I think everybody else has been coming up for years, you know? Well, I mean, the first have, second only but, got two, but I, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at what they're drawing correlating Fantagraphics, Fantagraphics has always led the eyes. Well, yeah, you know. but I just I just meant the, the enormity of the gap yes. between 24 well, that, and that 2. That is quite, yeah. that's, that's quite telling. That's indicative. And I, and I mean, I, I think you can say that DC had a, had a crap year, but I mean, I don't think it's, 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 I've seen a lot of people saying, 
you know, it's it's amazing to me that people have been saying, well, you know, I wish more mainstream work. Had been, oh, I, I don't been. wish it. I think yeah. the noms so are really I, good. I know, but I'm just saying. It's like, you know, they're complaining about this. When you look, you know, Adventure Time got four nominations. This is a top-rated cartoon. You know, they're and Hawkeye. Are I mean, Rachel, Hawkeye led the nominations. You know, this is the Marvel book that everybody likes. Um, a Wrinkle in Time, you know, that I'm is sure. a classic book. Like, Pantheon had eight nominations. I mean, people, I, I, I'm really incensed about this because if you look at this list, Despite the fact that I was not nominated, I Aww. feel for the first the, time in three for years. The first actually. time in three years, this is the best list of eyes. I think it's a really good list. It's a it's fantastic really list. It's an amazing list. And University Press of Mississippi got three nominations yeah, because, for crying out loud. Because they put out really strong <laughs> they, they, books. Yeah, they do I mean, indeed. This is a list of books by people who have actually been paying attention to what was published. And, I mean, and I, I, I looked at the list and I didn't have a single one of my what the hell is this moments. Yes, exactly. I, I'm curious, Unlike I'm last doing, year. Is there a shift going on away from the superhero category? I, I don't think I so. Mean, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's that there's... In terms I, of nominations? I, I don't... I feel like it's not that people, the judges don't like superheroes because they nommed them. I think it's that... I think it's that it hasn't been a banner year for yeah. creative work of Eisner caliber in the superhero yes, world. Yes, but I, I'm just saying, is anybody surprised by this? And I, I mean, I think if you look at Fantagraphics and Verona Quarterly, what they're putting out is, is well, amazing, well, amazing, I, amazing, I, amazing. I totally agree. It's just that these numbers make it easier to see in a very concrete yeah, form. Yes. Well, who's I, being recognized well, and who's putting but, out great work? But if you had been paying attention to PW's review section and our comics world, this would be no surprise. Not saying well, you, Kate, because you are very informed. Yes, I'm just saying to anyone absolutely. who has paid attention to Publishers but, Weekly over the last two years, none of this would be a surprise. Well, but on the other hand, if you looked at the Eisner noms last year, you would be surprised because last year some things that I might have been a little shocked made it onto the ballot, made it onto the ballot, that it was not reflecting where the quality work was. Well, and now it is. Well, and, uh, exactly. Three cheers. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I had. But uh, it, just by just by contrast, actually. Uh, but I think. 2012. I think it's yeah, kind of a, a kick in the the pants to DC to say, okay, you discontinued what their vertigo was. Are you going to fill that gap in any way, shape, or form, or not? I mean, maybe you won't. But there is a gap, and people notice, and it's hurting your prestige. And uh, I mean. I don't it, think they give a. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe they you know. Don't. What? I, maybe I, I they think don't. you're actually right. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's it's obviously gratifying to see people like Self Made oh, yeah. in there because just as you're saying, these are the books we've been reviewing all year long. Uh, we were constantly. And astonished it's, it's nice that they're not the going into the void that people the, the, the are the noticing substance. these books and they're selling. Absolutely. I mean, the sales on so, Saga, for example, are amazing. I mean, Ellen Forney's books on uh, on uh, 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 the novels <clears throat> Mania, Depression, Michelangelo, and Me. Um, Ava's Comics Art is back again with the Carter Family book, Don't Forget This Song. Um, Which is very good. It's just, uh, I mean, and it's really just a look back. I mean, obviously, Sailor Twain uh, by Mark Siegel. Um, I mean, this is, yeah, this has been a really good year. By both our reviews and our, our editorial. Yeah. Um, uh, because of just the. We know where quality. the good comics are. Please read our review uh, section. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> But so, I think it's been a great year for comics, basically. Yeah, a and I mean, plus. I think this list is completely 
Uh, I, I think it just reflects that. And, mm. and um, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't left off. It was left off. People were also talking about why oh. Fiona Staples wasn't nominated. And, mm. you know, this is the, however, you notice that The Love and Rockets was nominated after last year's really brutal oh, snub for the best-reviewed books of the year. Yeah. So, so you know, it, it mm. always goes. Next year, we might see, you know, Ultron War nominated or... <laughs> Uh, you know, Flashpoint. If Ultron or, or, or gets know, nominated. Or the, what's the next big uh, DC? What's the, the big crossover there that's coming up with uh, Pandora? You know, maybe that'll be nominated. And, you know, it yeah. would be whoopee. But, you maybe. know. I mean, and I you think, know what? Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> or maybe there will be another Hawkeye. Tune in next year at this Rich time. Which deserves this nomination <laughs> and everybody agrees on yes, it. But right exactly. now we've got, we've got a list of nominations uh, that the industry can be proud of. Yes, absolutely. It is. Uh, absolutely. All right, let's move on to and I say that uh, as a superhero fan. Uh, a couple of stories about Marvel Epic Collections and Marvel sales. Let's look yeah. at the Epic Collections. Well, These are this is interesting new because we've been talking a little bit about this program. that uh, Marvel has really been criticized many, many times about their publishing, yes, their backlist publishing program. Publishing sure, but you know, yes. they just announced a new, uh, a new kind of collection called Epic Collections, and they already had like old. Oh, let's see what uh, they had. They the have omnibuses, omnibus, omnibus, masterworks, uh, um, classic, class, something or yeah. other, classic okay, trades. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a welter of reprint programs, and yes. now they've added but, another one that seems to be full color. Now, actually, I'm not intimately familiar with all of these no, lines. No, because, because some are black and white, right? Right. Isn't there an Essentials, Essentials is the black and white. That's the black and white one. It's so. the big phone books. Right, exactly. Okay. Um, but the Epic Collections, they certainly look really good as they're described. Yeah, well, I think it's essentially a full-color version of the Essentials. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're big phone books, but they're in color. Yeah, 400 pages. The question pages. will be what the price point is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, I'm looking right here. And they're here. talking all of the major Marvel lines, 20 volumes, I think, yeah. Per line, yeah, they're, they're right there. Well, the retail price is forty dollars, but you'll be able to get them at Amazon for twenty-two dollars. Yes. So you know, forty dollars is, is, mm -hmm. is a reasonable amount, but it's a big, thick book. It's uh, I'm not seeing the page count, but they are uh, they are pretty pretty sizable. Uh, yeah, I think they were four hundred and pages. Yeah, 450 so pages uh, you know, so. it's a great idea. Marvel has been very very criticized for not having uh, their good stuff in print, and they're starting off with Iron Man and Thor. Yes. And what do Iron Man and Thor have in common? They have movies, movies. coming up. So you know what? That's kind of sensible. Well, and, yeah, um, but <clears throat> if they could reprint some of their more recent backlist, that would be awesome too. Wow. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, I'm going to the Marvel Retailer, uh, or not the Marvel, but the Diamonds Retailer Summit next week. And, um, you know, hopefully maybe we'll hear more on see that. more, find out more about this uh, at, that, at that time. Because there is the problem where when you're talking to other comic fans who are like, hey, this title sounds great. I'm enjoying reading it now. I want to read more of the great storylines for the past. And you're like, oh, this one, this one, this one. Uh, I hope you have a digital comic reader. Right. Because otherwise... Right. Well, isn't the big complaint about Marvel is reprint program is that they don't keep the backlist yeah, they titles don't, in, no, they they don't they, in print? No, they don't. Yeah, they, they they sometimes keep the really old stuff in print, yeah. but anything like the last thirty years, and they don't. Really retailers keep can't don't seem to ever know well, what they can order. Well, perfect example is Iron Man Extremis by Warren yeah. Ellis and Addie Granoff, which is a great uh, creative team, and it's also the basis for, for the, the actual movie. movie. So you, you would so think you might think you might be able to buy it. Yes, and it goes in and out of print. I think they are putting out a new edition in time for the movie, but uh, you know, Calvin, as you and I know, a book needs to be in print for a couple months before a movie comes out to really have an impact. And Iron Man comes out in three weeks. 
and it's not here yet. And yeah, so uh, the book market yeah. worked that way. But you know, they did also try uh, having Warren Ellis's writing. I think we talked about last time is writing a new original Iron Man graphic oh, right. novel. Yes. In, oh, in, awesome! In another so, series, new series. Yes, in another about. new yeah. series. So you mm. know, they're they're they're, they're baby. They're taking baby steps here. Yeah. Yes, but was, they are paying attention are to paying the general attention. book they market are. as well as to the direct yes. market. Finally, yes. I think maybe the the amazing sales of that incredibly expensive Thor book that like fell off the shelves when the Thor movie came out might have woken them up to the fact that casual comic fans do buy comics when the movie comes out yeah. if well, you give them something comprehensible to buy. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's almost an article of religious faith in the book trade for book publishers. Uh, I, I, I noticed several years ago when I was writing about this that there were some people in the comics community that were sort of startled, oh, you know, this doesn't happen in the comics industry. Well, you can't find, and when publishers don't make an easily identifiable connection between the book and the film, it's very different to kind of see this this, this yeah. pattern play out. Hopefully, comics publishers are becoming better and better at doing this, uh, as these mega films, particularly from Marvel and DC, well, really can, <clears throat> you know, create new readers. Well, I mean, I, actually, this ties into Marvel now, which unfortunately is having some sales problems. Well, I wouldn't call but, it sales problems, but they're dropping off very quickly. They're dropping yes. off amazingly quickly. Yeah. This is the but, second part of our topic, the uh, Marvel nail sales drop off. Yeah, but I, I actually have a tie in here. Okay. Where uh, I was talking with a bunch of hardcore comic fans who were like, well, you know, I saw the movie and I'd really like to get into this Avenger or that Avenger, but like, how do I even get in? And this is a comic fan who's right. talking. And a lot of people were really gratified by the fact that Marvel Now was written in a way that was comprehensible to them without having to read, like, 40 years of back issues. Do your so, homework. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, like, I was trying to explain backstory using diagrams, and people who were comics <laughs> fans were just... <laughs> there was a flowchart. There was a whiteboard and a flowchart, and people it. were still confused. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Too. Um, so, A-plus to making things more accessible. Uh, this may be Disney's contribution. I don't know. But if so, do more of that, Disney. Accessibility is good. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see where uh, where this goes. It was our own Todd Allen who was analyzing the, the mm. sales. And he looked at the first seven months of Marvel Now sales. Marvel Now is a little bit harder to judge the new picture, too, because it's kind of a rolling average. But yeah. um, those figures did show a pretty big drop-off uh, from the first issue, which are, are selling very, very well. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see how they retain. Well, the number one issues were what I think averaged about one hundred and twenty thousand. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the fall off was close to fifty percent on issue two. Yeah. Yeah. The DC, uh, the well, fifty-two. Well, you, no, you can't okay. compare them strictly, clearly, because Marvel's rolling this out over a much longer time so. period. Uh, but I actually you know have some what? numbers. But actually, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the top title dropped seventy-two uh, percent over five issues, hmm. and. Um, only two titles of the Marvel Now comics that have had at least five issues come out have had a less than 50% right. sales drop. Now, and most of them have dropped a lot more than that. Very key to understanding. If you're going to compare Marvel Now to the new 52, not only is it a different kind of a rollout, yeah. but DC made the new 52 returnable for six yes. issues. That doesn't yes. hurt. Lessening retailer exposure. Yes. And if you talk to anyone, that is why the new 52 held their sales for a longer period. So you can't really 
compare them. But uh, that was a brilliant move on yeah. DC's well, part yes, because it did get people, them it got for, people to sample them for a longer period. Yeah. Well, now, I, they don't sell as many of the number one issues, right. Uh, right. but the fall off is infinitesimal and compared. But well, they're well, very different, different well, kinds actually, of rollouts. Um, yeah. To give you an idea, I actually have some comparison numbers too. The uh, New 52 average drop uh, for the second issue was 6.3%, as opposed to. Uh, Forty-six percent. Now, for the first how many issues? For the, the, for the first, first two issues, right? Yeah. yeah. For like within one issue, one issue, Marvel and, yeah. on average dropped forty-six percent. But I just you cannot compare those numbers yeah. directly well, but, because but what I'm saying is that 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 is, says something about the returnability right. policy exactly. when introducing exactly. something new. Exactly. The, the first issues averaged about sixty thousand copies yeah. or something like that. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> I have to say it may also have to do something with publicity and quality. Absolutely, because. Um, yeah, when you've got a, num a number one in front of you, it's obvious this is new. But by number two, less so. Yeah, and, and returnability, I mean, there I, there were some variant cover issues, yeah. I think, involved as well. Yeah. But, you know, um, I, I've always said that Marvel, I saw Marvel now as a, a, um, a mid, uh, like, a, oh, what's the word? Um, a stopgap uh, event for Marvel. Because Marvel's always under a lot of pressure to be very profitable. And I, I feel like if Marvel now runs out, and, I mean, there's some very good books, as we, yeah. you know, we yeah, talked about them, and we all books. enjoyed some mm -hmm. of the books yeah. quite a bit. However, if Marvel now doesn't work in a year's time, they could really go full reboot and do what DC did and, you know, say we're, we're starting everything mm -hmm. all over again. Because Marvel now was not a complete, it was a reboot. Well, it was not a reboot, it was a relaunch. Yes. 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 And then they did a reboot previously with Ultim the Ultimates line 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. So there would be precedent for this. And, um, yeah. you know, uh, but I, I, I will I, say, so mark my words, mark my words. Don't, don't, don't well, know. DC just, I mean, so many things about the new 52 are, were commendable for DC. Yes. I mean, the media coverage they were able to generate, yes. I mean, just the, this, the, this tightly packed schedule, they really have you kind of well, looking each week to see what were they going to relaunch now, well, but, whether you like the books or not, the, the commotion around them. Was, uh, it was kind of great. Yeah, you know? Know? It was the best marketing job. Lab superhero I, readers I, such as myself. I wasn't paying attention. I just wanted to see what the heck was right. going on. Uh, and I will say this about Marvel Now. As someone who reads Marvel comics and knew Marvel Now was coming, I would never know when the new book was coming right. out. Yes, right? it because it, it yeah. was, the publicity was regrettable in its yeah. um, lack of existence. And the word that I hear at Marvel is that uh, just they are always under these cost-cutting measures and everybody there is, is their editorial staff is cut to the bone and everybody's working insanely hard and I mean it would be very difficult for them to do the kind of stop and go that... Mm. Um, but I, I will say this about uh, Marvel now. None of the books have been cut yet. Mm -hmm, that's right. They're, they're, they're all still in print. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they um, haven't been shifting creators. And yeah, they yeah, haven't shifted the creators, thing, and none of them have dropped start doing immediately. below 20,000. Mm -hmm. They're getting close, but none of them have dropped below, and none of them have been canceled. So, you know, that is a little context to throw in there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Next on our list, uh, the Kindle comic creator. Well, it's interesting. The Comixology Submit program seemed to have put Amazon on notice. Uh, Amazon has always shown itself to be very much interested in comics. They so even have a format. Even have a format the the K what the K uh, the KF8 mm -hmm. format along with EPUB. So uh, now they've launched really something that is more uh, akin to the Kindle Direct Publishing. It's a self-publishing comics uh, platform, right. uh, which Called comics K2. which Comicsology submit is not a pure self-publishing. You you've, you know you've got to submit you have to be approved. 
whether yeah. they want to do the comic or not, and then they still do quite a bit of the work. Uh, it seems to be fairly automated in the chemical, in the chemical, the Kindle comic creator. Well, I, I think there's a little more work on the end, the creator end, than on the comicsology end, because yeah. I feel like for all comicsology is huge to us in the comics world. Uh, in the ebook world, it's kind of more of a boutique thing mm -hmm. compared to you know Amazon, right? Oh, well, yeah. In comparison so they to can Amazon, uh, they sure. can afford to be a little more. And comics Alley submit is even more of a boutique. Yeah, well, they, they version can, of what they're yeah, what they're they doing. Can, uh, they generally yeah. do. They can afford, and they need to be a little more selective than Amazon, which has you know the mega Amazon servers and can just throw everything at the wall and see. That maybe too. My understanding, and this is just from conversations with David uh, yeah. Steinberger, that uh, the nature of the technology is such that it does need massaging. Yeah. On the back end, my sense from what I get around reading the Kindle comic creator, it's more like the the Kindle Direct Publishing. You upload your files and everything's automated. But yeah, but I mean you, I, you I, don't. There's no massaging in the background. There may be, but there certainly is no. Um, there's no vetting process well, that it goes I, I, through. I think for both reasons, the reason there's no massaging and the reason there's no vetting is that Kindle really and Amazon really don't care if your comic gets screwed up and is terrible. Right, uh, because they've got you know forty thousand of them, mm -hmm. whereas Comicsology has smaller servers and is a smaller thing, and would like it to all at least work. Mm -hmm. And know, they're comics focused. They're, they're comics focused, focused. Yeah. I mean, and they care. They, yes, they yeah. care. And also, I, I mean, just to segue into our next topic here, following up on you know Saga, I mean, Comicsology has a lot of uh, content issues because of their close partnership with Apple yeah. and. You and know, because last, so many people buy through exactly. the iTunes and, store. And we were talking last time on the podcast about what looked like this really outrageous thing that Apple had rejected Saga because of uh, some sexual content, which baffled us uh, because uh, there had been so much sexual content before. <laughs> yes. And um, in fact, I think I even said at the time, I said, I think we're going to find out that someone changed or whatever, because this just didn't make any sense. Yes, yeah, something then, was different. Yes, yeah, well, well, Apple is a bit arbitrary well, in well, applying its standards, but, but, but know, there's what, something else going well, on but, in this but, one. But this, in this well, well, it turned out that that wasn't what had happened at yeah. all. There was a comicsology had not had rejected it because they thought that Apple, Apple would yes, reject yes, it. Yes, As a reason that comicsology rejected it, I, I, they didn't uh, reject it from all comicsology, just yes, from the Apple, from the iOS store. Yeah. And the reason the Comicsology was concerned was, this is something that hasn't been brought up enough, but was because of their guided view. And when you're in the guided view, these images were much, much larger bigger. and much more hard to miss, yeah. uh, even though we couldn't even find them. And, you know, Comicsology got a lot of heat about this, and justifiably so. I mean, uh, it, it turned out... should have at least been a little clearer once right. the... Particularly uh, since everyone was trashing flying. Apple. Right. And yeah. their standards, when it turns out, apparently Apple made it clear behind the scenes that... Hey guys, we didn't even know at this was time around. it wasn't a, as far as we know. Right. But what I'm hearing now, and I'm not sure if this has been announced or not, I'm not sure what's happening, but with the, so Comicsology's big issue with this was that if Apple did reject it, they could reject the entire Comicsology app and you wouldn't be able to get any of your comics, not just Saga. Okay? Yeah. And that was that is always uh, that's understandable. Concern, and it's a legitimate concern that they have. And uh, seemingly unlikely. But not, seemingly, I but... Mean, but thousands of comics, know, but, I find it Apple, difficult to believe uh, that Apple, Apple can be very arbitrary. Apple, it's very worried about seeing the being Apple seen is, as a part of perfectly arbitrary when you put one comic book in front of them. But if you're saying rejecting an app that sells, what has it, 30 or 40,000 comics? Uh, and it's a long, it's a fairly long time partner with they've them. They've been known to do things like they've, this. They've and been remember, known to do they that. removed 1,500 comics from the French. No, well, they did. So they did. Uh, uh, Apple is on the march. 
Now, I, I think one thing that they are going to do on the iOS platform is they are going to offer some kind of age restrictions because I think this this even though nobody came out looking well in this entire affair, I think it caused everybody to stop and question their their procedures and. Uh, it's very hard to get through to Apple or Amazon or Google, as we were just saying. You know, Amazon and Google don't respond. I mean, you know, hey, put it up there, whatever. We don't care. Uh, <laughs> Apple's a lot more concerned about uh, material. Their image. Their image, yes. So, mm. But I think their image as sensors is one they don't like either. They don't so, like but that either. Apparently, <laughs> they are going to start putting some kind of age soft blocking software on their iOS devices, which would be the smartest thing in the yeah. world. So... You know, no surprise there. Well, and then I'm sort also, of curious how that will work. Yeah. But, uh, but well, I mean, I think you could just have the uh, user account say what age the person uses the device. Well, you know, they kind is. of do do that a little bit, but you get sort of, but it's really voluntary. Mm -hmm. You often get a a, a, a dial-up box that says, "Are you over?" Well, yeah, but I mean, but you just click it. Right. You know, I mean, what I meant <laughs> yeah. is that you could have it set when you're setting up the device, like yeah, if you're some, the parent yes. giving your kid an iPad or an iPod or whatever, you can say this device belongs to someone under 18, and then you don't have to worry about your kid uh, not only downloading porn, but also um, any of those apps where you can, you know, spend $20 buying fake gold. Right, right, right. And, you know, I, as I'm sure we've all seen people give their uh, devices to their very small sure. children as babysitters. So, I mean, it's a very legitimate concern. But, you know, at the same time, as a, as a parent, I mean, you want There's a limit to how keep, much you can... Right, and you want to give your phone to your kid. That's the number one Believe thing. Believe me, parents really <laughs> want to give their phones and their iPads yes, to their kids. yes. Because it will shut them up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, I think this is the bigger picture of why Apple will yeah, add some point. kind of thing that will enable parents to have some of their dirty shit on their or stuff, you know, material it, on their phone, and still not let the children find it easily. Although kids will find it. People will find it. It'll be interesting to see, some of the other tablets, particularly in the Nook tablet, uh, one of the features that they offer is this way to kind of set up different profiles. You can log mm -hmm. in. Yeah. As someone else, so you can basically set up profiles right. for your kids that do not allow them to buy yeah, certain right. things, or only allow them to go to the comics or the kids section of various bookstores. So maybe we'll see something yeah. introduced on the that Apple would be platform I bet you along those lines. Figure out a way to do yeah. that. Because the the thing is, is the kids who really want to find the bad stuff, they will. But there, are, having been the kid who accidentally tripped over things that I was too young for and went. Right. Ah! That's what you're worried about. Like, no, I mean, like, like when, when you're like, oh my God. when you're eight, you really don't want to find that what stuff. What are these adults doing now? Know, adults right? are scary. <laughs> Run away. It's like that ragu ad. <laughs> All right. News briefs. Alison Bechdel's acclaimed best-selling family drama graphic novel, <laughs> Fun read. Home, is being turned into a musical. And I can't wait to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's being created by a Tony Award nominee team, Janine Tesori and Lisa Cron. And it's going to be put on at New York's Public Theater, which is a pretty popular theater. Very yeah. top shot. Um, the, the people have seen it in workshops. I've said it's amazing. I, classy stuff here. Yeah, it, it's classy, <laughs> but I must say that I am curious to see how they musicalize a family drama with... Uh, funeral homes. Well, have you never seen Antigone by Strauss? There, I mean, there you, you know, go. It's all, you know, well, like, it, it's doable. It's all about... Sweeney Todd about, yeah. like, 
killing and cooking yeah, people. Stephen Sondheim, <laughs> you know, painting Stephen this, this is the stuff that, you know, musical theater loves. The weirder the setting, the better, apparently. I mean, this is not going to be a happy... I mean, this is going to be a Sondheim-esque show, I'm I guessing, as opposed much. to a chipper, um, you know... Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yes. Yeah. Yes, I have been now getting deal emails promising me that I, too, can see Spider-Man for the low, low price of $100. <laughs> every... you know, for Broadway, that's a, that's a bargain. <laughs> okay. Um, also, in musical news... Code Monkey Save World, a comic project from Marvel comic creator Greg Pak and singer-songwriter Jonathan Coulton, in coordination with Monkey Brain Comics, is coming to an app store near you. Its Kickstarter reached its $39,000 goal in 12 hours. It is now... Triple its yeah, goal. What did you raise? $60,000 or $70,000? They, they have now raised over $100,000. $100,000. And they're, they're at, upping the page count by like 20 pages. And um, Well, those are two of the charmingest, most charming guys. Well, Jonathan Colton <laughs> has such a huge following uh, already. Yeah, I mean, he's like the original internet song guy. So. Get, get and give Greg Peck is just a nice guy. Yeah. Well, and he's <laughs> a, and really, a good comic, he's a good really comic good comic creator. Yeah. Um, but so. to give you a little background. <laughs> so like a win-win right there. To give you a little background, if you've never played Portal or you don't hang out with filkers, uh, Jonathan Coulton <laughs> is a online singer-songwriter who tends to write about science fiction themes humorously. And he likes to fill his songs with unusual characters such as Code Monkey. And Greg Pak tweeted a year ago, you know, boy, his, his songs have enough characters, you could totally make a comic about that. And people were like, hey, let's do this thing. And so they did. Code Monkey will now be a literal coding monkey. And then yeah. Kickstarter did it all. That's that's what we're living in the Kickstarter era. Uh, if I you can to... think of it, you know, there's a very good chance you can make it come, well, come tweet to it? me. Oh, that's right. You can think of it and tweet it. And, and, and not, it can probably happen. And not only will it feature uh, the usual, like, stickers and digital comics and comics, but a special album soundtrack for it from Coulton himself. Yes, he is. And finally, uh, DC is adding a non-magical, non-super science, non-alien shapeshifter trans character to a major comic. A real shapeshifter. Mm -hmm. No, no, go ahead. Um, Gail Simone has announced that uh, one of the long-running characters on the current run of Batgirl, Elysia Yao, who is friends with Barbara Gordon, is coming out as transgender in issue 19 of Batgirl. And um, Simone says she was inspired by a conversation with fellow comics writer Greg Ruka on a panel at WonderCon a couple years ago about the lack of positive portrayals of gay men and transgender people in comics. Um, so... Well, you know, I, I think... Uh, more I, is better. Yeah, more is yeah. better. I mean, you know, DC got a lot of... Uh, of criticism for the Orson Scott Card uh, incident recently, and but it must be said, they actually have had quite a few gay characters yeah, in their yeah. books, and you know, they did the, the gay uh, Green Lantern character, and I, I mean, some of it sh smacked a bit of, of, you know, hey, look, we're, we're doing something, to yeah, it's tokenism, <laughs> but I think but, it was a real, real world effort, I mean, yes, I, mean, I, 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 mean I think... I mean, Each of their things so should be judged. so far from the world that, of comics that I grow in, it's, yeah. it's actually... Um, it's terrific. It's it's refreshing. Uh, it really, you know, gives you some sense of, uh, of, of really pride in the industry. 
you know, uh, the Orson Scott card just seemed to be a, a, a question, a misjudgment. Yeah. I mean, well, right yeah, now, what I do think, you think, Kate? I think it really, de- I suspect it really depends on who's editing what. Yes. And I think you just have to judge each comic or each behavior on its own because a comic company is really a patchwork of a wide variety of editors and creators, and some of them are going to have one attitude and some are going to have another. It's not like a giant hive mind. Right. I think it's also the case where that, you know, you know, you you really can't hide from your, you know, inflammatory and, and retrograde opinions. I mean, I think if you if you are outspoken uh, in what I consider personally to be uh, a regressive and, and, and basically a bigoted way, uh, you, you really can't hide it anymore. Well, I mean, I think... If you've gone public with it, you well, can't yeah. hide from well, it. Well, let's put it this way. If you're all write, writing, like, newspaper columns on how gay people are messed up, then, yeah, people are going to know you don't like them because you publish newspaper columns on it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, or you, right. po- you post it on the Internet, right, or you put right. it in your blog, well, listen, or you, you know, tweet, you know, big Talk about how to things. be discoverable. I mean, <laughs> yes, you know. but, you but, know, bigotry is very discoverable but, I, well, in today's but, but world. But let's put it this way. Orson Scott Card is not hiding it. So, yes, you know, that's right. my point. But I, I, guess, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would say I, I, this story, you know, I mean, give, give DC a pat on the back. Give Gail Simone yeah. a pat on the back. But I, I mean, I also want to give DC publicity a pat on the back. I mean, you know, this whole thing, like, I love how everybody's going out of their way to say, oh, it's non-magic, it's non-science uh, science fiction. That's because there were so many transgendered characters already in <laughs> comics. Yeah. I mean, Vertigo, every single book had a character who was transgendered or yeah. Or it's shape shifting or something. And as I like to point out, there actually already were three transgendered writers at Vertigo in the past twenty years. So I But mean, that was Vertigo. Yeah, but but you, you know what, again, we're making these artificial Well like, what I'm saying is every time something good and new happens, we can acknowledge that it's good and new. Yes. And move on. Yeah. Yes, but I'm also saying it's like, oh my God, the superheroes are doing something finally that's really amazing when it was already done 20 years ago yeah, in, in Up the Hall. I mean, that's a little bit... Of, well, like, not really, because they're two different audiences. You know, it's like if you've got a publisher who puts out romance novels and who also puts out mystery novels, and they had gay characters all along in the mystery novels, but not in the romance novels... You can see the romance novels as a different thing because right. they got a okay. totally different audience. No, that's true. It's a very good mm. point. But I, I, I mean, I'm also just saying, like, like DC, don't distance yourself from your own progressiveness, you know, which the, happened 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, then again, Vertigo is kind of vanished now. Yeah. Well, they, the land of tie Supposedly novels. they have a lot of things happening. We'll, we'll find we'll out. We'll see. You know, yeah. I hope it is reborn from the ashes yes. as something other than a video game publisher. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And on that note. And on that note, there's more to come. Yes, yes, yes there so will always be. Until next time. Yes.